If you like looping or loop artists, or you're a loop artist yourself, or you're thinking about getting into looping, then welcome to my channel. My name is JP, and this is How Do You Loop? In these series of interviews, I dive into the minds of different loop artists from different genres around the world. We ask them, why do you loop? What do you use to loop? More importantly, how do you use that equipment? Now, one thing before we get started, you may have noticed I'm wearing a How Do You Loop t-shirt. This has been designed by yours truly, and we have the How Do You Loop logo and lots of loops on the back. It comes in a series of colors and you can pick yours up at teespring.com, but I'm gonna throw a discount code on the screen now so you can go and get a nice little discount on your loop t-shirt also available in a hoodie. Now the person I'm kicking the season off with is an absolute legend. He is a multi-instrumentalist, born out of Australia and now living in Nashville, Tennessee, USA, performing everything from local pub gigs to live streaming online to even festivals with looping. His loop technique is really quick and the quality of his sound is at one of the highest calibers I've ever seen in a live looping performance. The artist I'm talking about today is Carl Wachner. I was able to grab Carl on one of his mornings off as he's a pretty busy guy. And I was able to just about squeeze everything we talked about down to a half hour point. Now I have put chapters in the description box below. So if you wanna to get to the question that we asked him, then go right ahead. But I would advise watch the whole thing and stay right to the end because Carl has a special announcement for everyone. So, so ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Carl Wachner is on our screen. Hey! How we doing, man? Good, man. Just kicking along. Okay. Having a good, having a nice little first coffee of the day. Feeling good. Yeah, Up first for a coffee chat. for you. Uh, 18th millionth cup of tea for me, uh, yep. as we are literally on different time zones. So thank you very much in your busy schedule to come and speak to me today regarding how do you loop? I first saw you obviously on YouTube and your channel's been going about nine years now. I first saw the, the thinking out loud sexual healing video with the Boss RC300. Now you've got loads of things, a mixture of covers, you've got your own stuff as well. And your covers seem to gravitate towards R&B songs, uh, uh, but your originals like Stereo and Flowers and the, the Fool's Gold one, um, there's kind of a pop soul vibe. Is that what, how you would be describing your music? Yeah, absolutely. I, um, my roots uh, and, and stuff that I like to listen to is very R&B-esque, but goes through country and probably like yourself too, like multi-genres, you know, you pick up lyrics from there and a snare drum sound from that. And, you know, so my originals have kind of ebbed and flowed over the years. And um, they, the earlier ones sort of started on a singer-songwriter level. And then, yeah, I think now they've boiled in with the newer stuff in kind of a bit of an R&B pop acoustic sort of flavor. Song to song keeps changing, but that's kind of the esque that I'm aiming for. So I noticed, obviously, with a lot of different influences and all the songs and performances, the number one question, obviously, on this series of How Do You Loop is how, who or what got you into looping? Yeah, cool. So have you heard of um, Jarl Bernhoft at all? the Norwegian dude, yeah. man, he was the first guy I'd ever seen. It, it would have been, man, like when Come On Talk came out, I don't know if you're familiar with that, um, where he starts with, come on talk, baby, I would shut my stupid. And it was on the um, yeah. RC50, yeah. so which was the predecessor of the 300. So I first saw him do that cover and I was like, <laughs> like mind blow totally blew my mind he had bass strings on his e and a string of a guitar oh, so he right. had the top two strings or the fattest strings were bass strings and then the following four were the standard guitar strings and so 
he played like it was just kind of a root note thing but he did the vocal thing and the guitar thing and he looped and I thought it was incredible and it was That's super cool. cool. And, uh, and I never thought I would ever loop like that ever, like mm. never in a million years. And it, cause I was playing with, in bands and I would do solo stuff and I'd be the kind of one man band thing, but with like a kick drum or a stomp box mm. and then like a lap steel and slide and all that sort of stuff. Like probably a year after that, um, my bass player got a Digitech Jam Man, the stereo. So it was like the Digitech version of the um, RC20 or the RC30, the yeah. Boss um, two-pedal looper. So I borrowed it for like two months because he wasn't using it. And I was like, this is cool. And at the time I was playing a lot of covers gigs, just dive, dive bar covers gigs um, back in Australia. And I love them. I think they shape a lot of musicians when you mm. have to play for a long period of time and you just kind of get all your chops and you're, you're used to playing to the back of heads and that sort of thing. So for that reason, <laughs> yeah. like I, I got the looper because I thought this is great. You know, if I'm playing a four hour gig mm. to four people who are in this venue, <laughs> you know, like I may as well enjoy myself. You know, I find it was a really handy, handy tool when you're like gigging, you can loop a few chords or you can loop a little percussion beat and kind of play along. And, and for me, it was a, it was a nice progression because i was doing the stomp box or the kick drum which was the duh, 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 you know yeah and i was annoyed being a musician that i consider myself good like better than average you know like i've got yeah. a good voice and I, yeah. I can sing and it was it was annoying that like at the time i'm like nobody cares about my you know every musician goes through this by the way i'm, I'm certain but every musician goes through the they don't care about my ability. They just want to hear Sweet Home Alabama or they just want to hear like the same the same beat. And it was just driving me crazy. So I doubled down on the loop. I didn't want to give the people what they want. <laughs> like I didn't want to give them that like, oh, yes. Yeah, like the same songs and the same whatever. So, yeah. so I doubled down the like, you know what? I'm going to cover Dave Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to cover all of these songs that aren't the standard yeah. um, set list. But yeah, that's where I dive down the looping side of things. And I borrowed that pedal and uh, I loved it so much that I bought, I bought a um, RC 20 at the time. And, um, and that was kind of my main, my main rig right. for a few years before I went to the RC 300. And even when I went to the 300, I was still playing real gigs <laughs> yeah. with the band like for festivals and big touring shows and ticketed shows and stuff. And this was still back in Australia. And then if I was ever booked for a solo gig, then I would loop. Right. And so it was those two things. We moved to the US. So I'm in Nashville right now. We've been here for about five years. But when I first moved to the US, I was doing either, I was either playing with the band for like big shows or I was doing a solo live looping thing. And when I moved over here, I noticed that most people don't loop or it was just a really rare thing everybody had bands everybody toured yeah. and had bands and if you couldn't if, if you didn't have a band it just means you didn't have enough money or you didn't have a big enough fan base to afford a band yeah so i thought this is kind of interesting i'm gonna keep looping because nobody else is really doing it and sonically if i can get close to competing with what a band would put out because you can never get all the way but yeah. if you can get close it's almost like playing playing a game of golf losing by two strokes but playing with three clubs instead of a full <laughs> set of, <laughs> you know it's more impressive i yeah. think this was the moment that i never thought i would ever be when i first got into jarl bernhoft mm. and i'm like i'm a looper now yeah. i guess i don't know if there's a club to sign up for or what but i should probably 
yeah. don't know if there's a club, but I'm now going to like reference you as the Happy Gilmore of looping. Yes. You've had different loopers throughout the years, and for a while you had the Boss RC 300. You kind of, I get the sense that you did what I did, which was like lock yourself in a room and find out what every single control does, and then all of a sudden a video comes out and you're on the Headrush Looper board, and Walk me through the reason why you changed over. For starters, I think the RC30, the two pedal looper board is in touch with what like half the people looping would ever need. Yeah. And then to satisfy another quarter of that, most people won't need any more than what the RC300 would have. Yeah. And so I, for years um, did, yeah, exactly what you said. And I think what everybody should do whenever they get a pedal is figure it out like yeah go and do some research and all that sort of stuff but um but you have to spend time whether you loop or not just play guitar you have to spend time trial and error and going well that didn't work or let me mess this up and then learn from my mistake of doing that or turns out you couldn't plug that in that way because i just blew up a speaker or whatever it is <laughs> i feel like people need to go through that rite of passage but for the looping i boiled down the way that I used the RC 300, there was no thing that I could step up um, in that, that wasn't in my style. Obviously there's things like pre-recorded stuff and there's yeah. MIDI controls and there's all that sort of stuff, but that's not my, like my wheelhouse personally is no pre-recorded stuff. It's yeah, all live. Yeah. And that's how yeah. I like it. I don't like to record to a click or anything. I like no. to keep my internal metronome. So that's me. But the the main thing that I wanted more than the RC3, I, I really want Boss to bring out an RC300 plus. Are you, are you basically saying that when they brought out the RC505, you went, that's cool. When's the floor pedal version coming? And it never materialized. Yeah, I, I went... <laughs> yeah. The, the, yeah, exactly, exactly. So one, one of the biggest limitations or a couple of the biggest limitations for me for the RC300 mm -hmm. was that it's a 16-bit MP3 yeah. out. Not not the through signal, that's mm. still analog or mostly analog, but the once you've recorded the track and then it's coming out, um, and most of the time you'll never notice the difference between it unless you're on you're running through studio monitors yep. or a big stage PA. You'll yep. you'll barely notice the difference. If it's a normal PA system, it should sound almost the same. I'm thinking future for my rigs, as I always am. And at the moment, I'm in a point in my mm. career that I'll play some little gigs to like a couple hundred people. And half of the gig is a covers gig. And then the other yeah. half is an original gig. So it's, I'm playing downtown Nashville to a couple of hundred people in a, in a bar and having a great time. But then sometimes I'm playing a theater show that's an, a, tic a ticketed show for an original gig of mine yeah. to a hundred people, but it's pin drop silent and I'm talking and I'm getting the perfect audio of this. And then sometimes I get lucky enough to play in front of 10,000 people at like a festival or whatever it is. And in that case, I've got a front of house guy, a side of house guy, a lighting guy, and I've got everything dialed in. And I'm like, this is the business. This is yeah, where it's at. That's it. And so I need a rig that can deal with all of those things. And for me personally, the RC300 could deal with most of those things. Yeah. But the festival one, I needed, I needed additional output routing uh, and at a higher bit rate. And so the head rush gave... Um, 
it, it's got four mono outputs. Yep. You could stereo mix it. So it's either two, two stereo outputs or four mono outputs. But the thing that um, I, my ears pricked up about was the head, the headphone output could also be routable. Yeah. So what I currently do, I have my input signal of my mic and my guitar and sometimes my MPC sample controller that all comes out of track one and two stereo track one and two so that's right. in and out and then track three and four is the sum of all of my loops so track one right. two three and four Got all you. of my loop audio is coming out track three and four so i just have independent control of those two things yeah and most of the time most audio engineers are incredible but when a looper is involved it's <laughs> not a band it's not a soloist yeah. it's not yeah. a dj it's none of those things, but it's all of those things. And so it's hard to unlearn or get somebody to unlearn something that they've always done when you plug an acoustic guitar in yeah. to say, don't do that. My point is, is I'm trying to keep my, um, my inputs into the console simple. It's like, I've got two stereo sends or worst case, I've got two mono sends, mm. gain them the exact same, fade it, exact same, yeah. everything exactly the same. Send me the same thing as what you're sending out in front of house. It yeah. couldn't be more simple. And so, um, but for my larger shows, my, my projected yeah. larger shows, I want to send my through signal out the headphone out, which is a stereo out. Yeah. And then I want to send track one out of output one, track two out of output two, three, three, four, four. So right. I've got each individual track is routed separately to the front house. And that gives the engine, the engineer, a, a lot more flexibility as an, as an actual adaptive live engineer, fading and working with the song, whereas yeah. they haven't got that control. Um, but with that control, you need to have somebody controlling it. Otherwise, it's not. There's no certainly in a bigger PA environment. Like it's um, yeah more difficult. And for my head rush, it's track one. Sorry, output one is vocal, output two is guitar, and output three is the vocal loops, output four is the guitar loops. So I do yeah. it that way if I need a four out, or I can just change it, as you said, just a stereo out or just a four monos or two stereos. The, the routing flexibility, I, I when I picked mine up, I didn't even realize how much routing it could do. Um, I just went, oh, four tracks instead of three. Great. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> the next question for that then, I suppose... I suppose answering that question is all about flexibility. Have you found the perfect loop setup yet? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not one to give perfect marks no. almost ever. No. Because I feel like if it's perfect marks, then there's zero room for improvement. Oh, that's a nice answer. Yeah. So, so a, a perfect 10 means it's never going to be better. So call me a hard ass, I guess. I don't, I don't know. But... <laughs> I've probably said this every time I've ever got a piece of equipment. This is it. This is the one. This is the one. <laughs> this is the, this is, I'm done after this, you know, and I'm sure everybody said that yeah. loop station or no, yeah. this new pedal board, it's the one, it's the one. you know, and then until you get something that's way better and you look back six months ago and you go, I can't believe I had that piece of crap um, when I got this now. And so um, I'm getting really close to it, even though I've got it for anybody who's seen my board or my whole sort of rig in front of me, yeah. it's big. 
I've seen the case. I've seen the case it goes in, so I know it's big. If I don't use it or if I'm not really getting the most out of it, it shouldn't be there. There should be something else that I could use for that and that or whatever yeah. it is, as long as the tone is not sacrificed. I think I'm getting really close to everything, but the, the trouble is, is I use every single thing that's in front of me multiple times in multiple, like in almost every song. Um, and so I think I'm getting really close to my perfect setup. The, and this is another reason I went to the head rush is because it's all, there's firmware stuff. Uh, it's got a brain. Yeah. When they when they brought out the firmware too, I did a video on that about going from firmware one to firmware two and it's it's day and night. It was just- I saw that and, video actually. And it, it is, just it's absolutely huge. day and night. And it was just yeah. one of those things where it really gives you hope that within that time frame, they were able to do so much. Whereas then you go back to an RC300 and go, wow, that hasn't changed since for 10 years. It's 2011 that came out. Yeah. One thing I wanted to talk about with your head rush, um, your specific head rush. Switches? Yeah. You know, I you knew know, you were going to bring that up. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah. I was going to bring it up, but only briefly. Yeah. The yeah. cool thing about head rush as a company is this is the new board. So they're very awesome at listening to their consumers yeah they are. and they've been very um upfront and very um attentive in actually hearing what what people need to say yeah. which is incredible my thing was after a month the same switches that i use mostly which is um record on track one start stop you know those ones they just started mishitting them and i had to really like push them hard on kind of thing and for me in the, at the level that I play, and also for my own sake, I hate it when it's a fault of the switch. Yes, some of them are my fault. And I'll totally, <laughs> yeah. totally own that because I've done it and it's, you know, usually is I've, funny. I've pressed too. one button and the whole song stopped and I've kind of gone, damn. Um, yeah. I've deleted, I've accidentally, on the, head, on the RC300, I've accidentally bumped the scroll wheel up and down, oh, which just deleted my, my entire loop. And yeah. so I was in the middle of a bridge and I was about to pump it back on and I'm like, well... That's that gone. <laughs> Next song, man. <laughs> you know, to me, it's a deal breaker if the foot switches fail. And annoyingly enough, to swap out the foot switches, that voids the warranty. You can't just do that and keep mm. the warranty. But the pedal as it stood was a deal breaker for me to keep. I couldn't play gigs like that. So, and I'm handy. I've built stuff and I'm no um, you know, stranger to a soldering iron or whatever. So mm. I've done that stuff before. So I swapped out the switches. And in doing that, I made the back row, the tall ones, and I was able yeah. to find some short stubby ones for the front row, which actually stopped my double hit on the effects. This, this is all one, what you said before about the fact that Headrush are listening. And I said that, yeah. in a, I've said that in previous videos, their forum is fantastic. And it's yeah. also one of those things where they're kind of like totaling up like, ah, this is the top requested thing. Let's look at that. So yeah. I, like, I like that. And I like the back and forth because they don't just put out a firmware. They put out a firmware and then go, what do you think, guys? So I've got another question for you, if that's okay. Yeah. Amazing. I got time. Cool. Fantastic. So you've performed with Loop Paddles live on stage in a studio. You've done live streaming, of course, a lot more live streaming than you thought because of obviously a certain thing that went around the world in 2020 and still here. And obviously you've used both your guitar and your vocals to create some arrangements. Now I've noticed something that you do with your loop paddle that I haven't seen a lot of people do where when everything's playing to, uh, all at once with well, all loop paddle, that's the chorus, but then you kind of pull things back 
and there's still a little bit of drums somewhere on every loop so yeah. your arrangements are really really interesting in that respect my question is is that something that you pre-plan out is it really really controlled or is it just a i'll throw a little bit of a kick on on number three and see what happens both is the annoying answer <laughs> but i'll elaborate so um i'm glad you noticed that too it's yeah. so what you're saying is you have your vocal on this track your guitar on this track you you know there's i'm five... not going to be i'm going to be changing i'm telling you that okay, now because, right, cool. well, that's because good. first of all you're so quick I've, you, you go onto youtube and you see videos where they're like 10 minutes long and four minutes in they start singing by four minutes you've finished your song people get bored <laughs> I get bored. I used to actually loop too quick. And it wasn't until I saw Ed Sheeran looping. <laughs> He's the reason that people know what looping is. Yeah. Because up until that point, most people thought I was playing backing tracks. Yeah. And it was so good <clears throat> when he came out because I'm like, you know, like what, what I do. Yeah, that. <laughs> so then I'm like, okay. Yeah, I used to loop like vocal and guitar parts at the same time. This was when I was using uh, the RC30. I have like three or four or five different default ways to approach each song i don't know how this is how I'm, my brain's no it's it. great Let's go. so obviously you got the verse and the verse is closed hi-hats if you've got a band right you right. got the verse it's closed hi-hats or it's a side stick or something it's a, it's chill but it's still got the beat yeah. and then it's got like two guitar parts in it you know yeah. and then you got the a breakdown which is like a rock and roll lighter moment kind of thing which has just yeah. got claps and a vocal or whatever and then you got your chorus and that's all in kind of thing everybody's playing the keys yeah. are on and the whatever so i want all of those parts in my song because it's cool <laughs> to do that <laughs> yeah yeah so, so i want to i want to have all of those moments in my songs yeah. and the the trick of it though is when you're looping obviously if there's a long chord progression or if there's very different progressions with the verse and the chorus and the bridge and all that sort of stuff, mm. that's when it becomes difficult. But for me, I like to have two different percussion-y bits mm. and then not, not vocal, but a couple of different melodic like chordal parts. Yeah. So um, on track for me, what the, the number one default of the five default, generally track one, I will have beatbox. Yeah. Um, and a few guitar parts right. and usually more of a strum kind of guitar part to go along with the beatbox. And to, in my head, the beatbox is like a downbeat side hit snare um, verse part because right. it's not big enough. It's just enough that it's like, you got a little bit of hats, a little bit of snare. And that's kind of what my beatbox is. Then track two, I've got, I usually layer any vocal parts that I have, which comes in the chorus and it kind of lifts everything up. Uh, I'll skip track three for now, but track four was what my track three used to be in my RC 300. And that is the bass part and the drums. And the drums is when I like hit the kick. Right. And, the, and so the cool thing about that is there's no hi-hat in track four because yeah. the hi-hat is in track one. So... I can take everything out except for the drums and bass instead of the kick, snare, and bass, which is to me yeah. the second verse. <laughs> right. right. So yeah. after you hit a chorus, everything's out, but the intensity's still there. Got you. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Everything's boom. Out, you the bass you... plan. And so to me, when I can bring it all back in for the end. Yeah. It's like a massive crescendo, right? 
Exactly that. Yeah. And so, so coming back to track three now, mm. track three, which I never had until I got to my head rush, track three is now my wild card, which is awesome. So I've added that fourth dimension of my song build to be um, like, you know, when it's okay, it's the second chorus or the double chorus out and they go to open hi-hats <laughs> instead of closed hi-hats or there's somebody's got a tambourine going now. Yeah. Like, or there's a but up but up but or something. Yeah, or a yeah, like yeah. my favorite thing is like the Dr. Dre like two two note keys. Gink, 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 gink. So I'll put that stuff on track three. And so on stereo, that's that song. Um, yeah. On track three, I have my right. and then I do that harmony, and that's all that's on track three. Right. Got you. But it's cool because I can leave that out through the chorus, but then the second chorus or the third chorus, I can bring that in. Right. So I've got all of these layers that I can add for a little more dynamic or take away for less dynamic. The other variations of how I set up songs could be with no beatbox. Yeah. They could be with um, more of like not drums and bass, just drums on right. that track because the bass yeah. line keeps changing between these different components. So I'll put the bass right. on track three. The, the first variation is what I use for most of my songs, but then the other ones, depending on the length of progression or, or what elements that Brilliant. I want to put in there. Thank yeah. you for explaining that because that is literally part of how do you loop, which is great. If you could give one piece of looping advice to someone who may be watching this and is just starting out looping, what would it be? If I could only pick one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. This is good. Cause this is, I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, it's, it's a combo of two things. It's, it's your internal metronome and not overdoing anything. The best thing about looping is you don't have to play everything. You don't have to play a fancy guitar part. If you can play the first part of it really well. And then the second part of it really well. That's totally cool. You can loop the first part of it and then add the next part of it. If you've got 16 guitar parts in that song, you can put them down one by one. It's no big deal. You don't have to play all the parts together and be Jimi Hendrix on the thing. So do that. <laughs> what happens is it screws up your rhythm. Yeah. And this is a pet hate of mine in a band, in a looper, anybody recording anything ever. If there's a beat and it's here, and something's rushing the beat, I'm skipping the song. I don't care how good it sounds. It's done. I'm over it. I hate it right. now. I can't get over it and done with it enough because that just means you're not patient enough to sit in your own groove. And so, um, so having a consistent, that's fine. Play a simple little, where I'm going with that is in a band scenario, if you have a trio, um, each person has to play more. Each person has to be two persons worth. But if you have a six piece band, mm. then if everybody's playing as much as they played, if they're in a trio, now there's too much sound. There's you're talking too about, you're talking about a wall of sound, aren't you? It's just a wall of sound. There's just yeah. everything's muddy and blending in. Whereas you'll notice on a six piece band or a 12 piece band, the guitarist might just go, get it. <laughs> and that's it because that's all it needs yeah. because all the other instruments are in there and so what what the trouble is is when people loop most of the time they're looping because they want to take their solo show a little bit more or whatever and they haven't 
experience playing with a band or or had that moment of you know what i need to play with the space in a song more than i need to add stuff into the song so focus on the rhythm so all boiled down again focus (laughs) on just having a good beat yeah like a rhythm and then focus on anything that you add in the song make sure the song needs that bit if it doesn't need it don't put it in Mm. like (laughs) nice and if you do put it in behind the beat not in front of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, the thing is, I can see about sort of 50 pieces of advice like like circling around your head and you know, I'm only oh, saying one, just one. That's cool. Yeah. So you can see Carl live online on his YouTube channel. And if you're lucky enough to live in Nashville, Tennessee, then you can check his gig page, which is carlwagner.com.au. Got that right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So Carl, you've got one more thing to talk to us about today. What is it? Yes. So if anyone's familiar with True Fire uh, online guitar lessons, they're the largest guitar virtual school in the world. I have a looping course. I wow. was down in Florida, filmed it. It's huge. It goes through, it, it's, it's called Artistic Looping for Guitarists. Wow. So it starts, the course is for anybody. Um, the course is from anybody who is learning to loop uh, all the way up to an advanced looper who might want to um, revisit some things or might want to challenge themselves a little bit. But it's general, the bulk of the course is geared for somebody who's been looping for a little bit and wants to take step it up. I, I use a few different loop stations on the course. Um, most of it is done on a two pedal looper. So it can be interpreted however. There's challenges throughout. And then the last part of the course is me using my entire rig, um, playing six full songs with six cameras on me. And after each song, I break down every single thing that I did in that song and why. That's fabulous. Uh, So at the end of the entire looping course, that's what it is. So I cannot wait for that to be out. Sign me up. I am there. So that sounds really cool because um, if you can learn a thing or two from Carl and you haven't been binge watching it, well, if you have been binge watching his YouTube channel and sitting there writing things down, unlike me, because that's kind of what I do. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, that's on track one. Oh, that's on. Oh, we stopped that. Right. That's what I do. Uh, congratulations, first of all, and good luck with the course. That sounds like it's going to be great. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm That's super cool. pumped. Fantastic. So, Carl, thank you very much for seeing us today. And how do you loop? <laughs> yeah, so good. I love the shirts too. I can't wait to get one. This is awesome. That's cool. Wicked. Awesome. All right, well, listen, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to have some dinner. You're probably going to have some breakfast. Thanks, mate. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day. I'll yeah. catch you soon. See you later. Whew, it's amazing what's in Carl's head. He's an absolute legend when it comes to sound and looping techniques. Now, a couple of things before I go. Don't forget to sign up to Carl's online looping course. I've had a sneak peek at it, and the content is fabulous. Also, don't forget to pick up your How Do You Loop t-shirt or hoodie. I'll put that discount code on the screen now, and it's gone. The link for picking up the t-shirt is in the description box below. As always, if you have found the content of this video useful, then please give it a thumbs up. It helps me, but it helps push this video out to other people who might want to watch it. And if you have enjoyed the first in the series of How Do You Loop, then subscribe to the channel. Click the bell, and then you'll know when the next video goes live. And do me a favor and go and subscribe to Carl's channel as well. Thank you very much for watching, and we'll see you on the next one.